Hi, good evening, everyone. It's good to have you. So you're not just fair-weather Christians, are you? <laughs> you're here on a, on a day where the weather's not so fair, but we're glad to have you. Glad that God uh, allowed you to come in and be here safely. Um, we have some special guests with us. They're not new to us, but they are special. We have uh, uh, Stephen and Robin and Isaiah here with us today. So praise God for that. Um, I'm going to at least uh, let them just share, you know, what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks with them. So just just a statement. You don't have to. You don't have to be long. But in in a minute we'll do that. But first, I want us to take a look at Acts chapter 19 tonight. Acts 19. Wayne, good to see you here. Praise God for you, brother. If if you could make it here, man, that that's that's saying anybody and everybody should make it. So praise God. <laughs> All right. Uh, in our in our Wednesday night, we've we've been going through Acts as part of our study. And uh, we've entitled this, And So We Pray. As we look at the gospel going out, um, the acts of the Holy Spirit through, um, through his people, through the apostles there, and that is to allow the gospel to go out in the fashion that God intends it to go out. And so let's take a look at that. Acts 19, a couple verses there. What would, um, what would lead us to pray here? First of all, um, we see uh, Paul interacting with this young man named Apollos. Well, actually, we see um, him interacting with, Apollos interacting with Priscilla and Aquila in the chapter before. And um, Paul interacting with some other believers in chapter 19. And I see something common that happens with both of those interactions. Let's look at chapter 19 first. It says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now that just sounds odd, doesn't it? <laughs> Something, um, there's a gap there. There's something missing there. And I think sometimes we come in contact with people who don't have a complete or an accurate understanding because they don't have uh, uh, the complete or accurate gospel. And it's, it's up to us to present the gospel. Now look how this comes in, it, this this is similar in the previous chapter, verse 24 of Acts 18. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and talked accurately the things concerning Jesus. Now, Okay, so that, that's, a, that's, that's positive. That's good. It says um, he was eloquent. In other words, he was uh, one who, uh, he, he was a good speaker. He could present truth 
in in a in a good fashion, in a good way. He was gifted in that. He was competent in the scriptures. Of course, the scriptures refer to the Old Testament here. New Testament hadn't been written or hadn't at least been completed. Um, and so he knew something ab about what God was saying in the Old Testament scriptures. What else about him? He had, verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And so he was learning, wasn't he? He had been instructed. He was learning. Another thing I like about him, he said, being fervent in spirit. Uh, we can't discount that, that. That God wants us to, to uh, take on the task that he's given to us and to continue on that. That means not giving up easy. Continuing, persevering in, in a task that he's given us to do. Um, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. So he knew some things about Jesus and what he knew, he taught accurately. And that's good. But then it's, it gives us a little, uh, little condition on that. Though he knew only the baptism of John. Okay. Again, there was something missing in his understanding. He only knew the baptism of John. We get to chapter 19. We see these other individuals who only knew of the baptism of John. It says they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so they didn't know, um, you know, Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit, that after he left, he would send the Holy Spirit to them and what the Holy Spirit would do in the catechisms. In our Sunday school, we've, under, we've, we've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and his ministry to us and what he, what he does. Um, and so... Um, uh, who he is and, and what he does. So we see that that's very important to understand that. But these two, uh, well, these disciples here in, in chapter 19 did not, uh, they weren't aware of who the Holy Spirit was and, 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 and what uh, his role was in their lives. Apollos wasn't aware of some things. It doesn't tell us exactly what he didn't know, but it says he knew only the baptism of John. Verse 26 of chapter 18, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Um, I don't think that's a negative there. I, I think simply as they interacted with this man, they knew he was gifted of God. He, he understood some things about the gospel, but there are some things he needed to understand more fully, and they took on that ministry of help. Of, of, of presenting truth, of building this one up in the faith. And, and uh, you know, I guess you could say they could see the potential in him, but it's not really based on, on potential. They simply did minister to him and helped him understand what God wanted him to know. Maybe God is placing someone in your life like that and giving you uh, an opportunity. Or maybe you don't see that. Maybe you need to be praying that God would open your eyes to those individuals he may lead you to um, that, that, that he might have you to help in a way. Maybe you're one that needs to be helped along the way. Maybe you need to be praying that God would help s put me in contact with someone who can help me understand more fully what God's word is and what God's purpose is for me. <clears throat> and so um, God put a match between Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila and, and allow that ministry to happen. <clears throat> we see that same thing happen in chapter 19, <clears throat> verse 4. Paul said, 
John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing, <laughs> on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hand on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. All right. So Paul gave further instruction, things that they did not understand about the Holy Spirit. Um, he, he started with where they were in terms of understanding uh, John's baptism and, and, and the uh, repentance and confession that needed to go with that. And he, what he did is, it kind of reminds me of Acts chapter 8, where Philip goes alongside and talks to this man from Ethiopia, and, and it says there, he opened the scriptures and he spoke to him, Jesus. Well, that's, that's what's happening here. He said, John was pointing you to Jesus all along. And so um, um, Paul helps these disciples understand more about Jesus and more about the Holy Spirit, who they did not understand, did not know about. Um, and, and then after this, God allowed them to, uh, after they were baptized, they, um, they be, it says they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. I think that's important because it's the same sign that God used to show believers earlier in Acts that God had put his, his, his approval on them, that God, had, had, God was working here. God was doing this thing. They had the exact same experience as the other ones had and so God put a stamp of approval on that and so we pray we pray that the gospel will continue to go out and in this case it's a person-to-person thing it's not Paul speaking to uh, uh, thousands of people um, but it's Priscilla and Aquila talking to one man it's Paul talking to just a few um, disciples it says in verse uh, 1 that, that he found some disciples so just a few individuals he's speaking to would you pray that God would use this ministry um, to continue to speak the gospel to speak his word we'll find people who who um, who uh, who's God whose heart God has changed but perhaps they don't understand uh, fully the gospel that we need to present that to them um, we'll find people like Apollos who need to be more equipped in the gospel. Maybe God will lead them to us or use, use us in that way. Um, but again, the gospel goes out. Now, this is kind of a, a good time to, to kind of um, um, let uh, Stephan and Robin talk uh, just a little bit about what, what God is, is, is prompting them to do, uh, uh, at least the, the uh, travels that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. You, you'll be leaving in... All right. So it's so exciting that the time is now. It, it has come on us. I don't know how how you view that since you've been in every detail of it, but from our viewpoint, it's like wow, already you're, you're ready to go, and uh, God has prepared you and is preparing you. So. Uh, we certainly want to keep you in, in our prayers and support you in prayers and in other ways that, that uh, we are able to financially as well. So um, if you have the opportunity to do that, certainly let's, let's take advantage of that and continue to do that. So tonight let's add that to our prayer time as we, we pray for them as they move on to, um, to the, the uh, locations um, 
he's mentioned to Germany and, and then eventually to China. So let's pray for them for safety and for God's blessing as they travel. All right, Brian. Good evening, saints. For our meditation, we'll be in Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7 is a difficult chapter to meditate on because it's going through this argument. But I think that when you look at Hebrews 7, um, there's a few things. Number one is um, Hebrews is known as one of the more difficult books in the New Testament. So let's just talk about that for a little bit. What are some of the more difficult books in the Bible to understand? Let's just throw them out there. Job. Okay. What's some difficult books? Revelations. Revelations is probably considered, well, Revelations is always considered the hardest book. Okay. What else is a difficult book? Hosea? Okay. Okay. All right, so here's, let's just go through some difficult books real quick. Revelations is considered the hardest book. The reason is because it has so many things in it that's going on. Now, we've talked through Revelations, and I don't think any believer should be intimidated. But for you to be equipped to teach through it, you do need to have a proper understanding of almost a lot of the Old Testament prophets and how they tie in. you got to understand a lot of the Gospels. Basically, the reason Revelations is difficult is because you need to understand the rest of the Bible thoroughly to understand that. Okay? You don't have to understand the rest of the whole Bible to jump into 1 John. 1 John is considered one of the more easy books. So is James. Romans. Ephesians, Hebrews, Revelations, those are considered very or more difficult New Testament books. And then in the Old Testament, you could pretty much say most, a lot of the minor prophets are more difficult. Probably the hardest would be Daniel and Zechariah um, because they deal with some very strange images that go on. And, um, most of the prophets you can look at, people will get intimidated by reading through the prophets. So we can look at the prophets of some of the more difficult stuff in the Old Testament. Now when we get through the book of Hebrews, one of the reasons that they considered it difficult, and it's considered difficult, is because of the section that we're about to get into. Whenever we get into these arguments, right? Just like when you get into Romans, people are like, oh no, I get chapter 1 a little bit, but once you start getting into chapter 2, I'm like, what is he saying there? Um, you, you start to ask yourself, why is he saying these things? What does he mean? And so it takes for a little bit of careful reading. But here's the thing. When a scripture seems difficult to us, there's a lot of truth there. And we read the scripture so that we can have that truth and we can understand it and live and understand better than we do now. And that's the value of a tackling these difficult scriptures. When we tackle those scriptures, we understand more than we did when we came there. And so it's a good thing to tackle these scriptures. So when we get into Hebrews 7, normally I don't do it like this, but I will. I'm just going to skip through a few verses and show um, a little bit of what he's saying. And I don't think it's too hard, but I think 
um, people can get tripped up on some parts. So let's look at um, chapter 6, verse 20 is where we will start. He says, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The order of Melchizedek. Where did that come from? Well, that's this psalm that he keeps on quoting. He keeps quoting. Even back in chapter 5, verse 10, he says, being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He wanted to talk to him about that earlier, but that's when we have that big parentheses in Hebrews, where he said, hold up, I want to explain this, but you know what, you're hard of hearing. So he had to go back and rebuke him a little bit and say, this part shouldn't be as difficult for you to understand as it is. But I need you to open your mind up. You can understand this if you are alive. If you are alive, you will grow. If you're growing, you will understand more and more things. And if you want to understand more and more things, you need to understand what Paul is saying here. Because the questions that he's going to answer are this. What's the point of the Old Testament? How does Old Testament law apply to us today? Why is it that it was right for them to do sacrifices and wrong for them to eat pigs and it's okay for us? These are the questions that he answers. So when we get into chapter 7, verse 1, you see this. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Melchizedek, we find him in the book of Genesis. Abraham just rescued Lot, and he come, runs into this king who we never heard of any time before then. His name is Melchizedek. And the thing that's interesting about Melchizedek is he has two professions. He's not just a king, he's a priest. He's not just a priest, he's a king. And the Bible highlights that and says this. That's what Jesus is. That's what Jesus is. He's more than just a king, he's a priest. He's more than just a priest, he's our king. In his argument, then he goes into verse 4. He says, see how great this man was that who, to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. In verse 5. His point is, this man taught Abraham more about his faith. And if you go back in the book of Genesis, you'll see that. Literally what happens is, after Abraham meets Melchizedek, Melchizedek says, oh, you a servant of the Most High God. After that, Abraham uses that same term Melchizedek does. The same way as if you went to church, you start talking a little bit different when you learn something new. That's what Abraham did after he met Melchizedek. Melchizedek taught Abraham something. In verse 6 he says, But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. The whole point is this. Melchizedek is not a Levite, so how could he have been a priest? If you look at the Old Testament, only the Levites could be the priest. How is this man meeting Abraham before there even was a law, before there even was a priest? And he's known as God's priest. Later on in the Bible, it says there's going to be one that rises according to the order of Melchizedek. And in chapter 7, he says this, if the law was perfect, there wouldn't be a need for another order of priests to rise. That's where we start, right? That's where we start to understand. Wait a second. God's law in the Old Testament, just like it says in the book of Galatians, is meant to bring us to fuller understanding. 
is meant to lead us somewhere. Now, where is that somewhere? And that's where we get as we keep reading through Hebrews. Where are we being going? He says this in verse 12. But when there is a change in the priesthood, there's necessarily a change in the law as well. Think of it this way. What did the Levite, what did the book of Leviticus say? If somebody else was to act as a priest and they weren't a Levite, what's to happen to them? Put to death. So now you got this guy, the Bible says there's going to be a new priest. Not according to the Levites. What does that mean? That means the law has to change, right? Otherwise, this person will be killed the moment he came up. He will be deserving of death the moment he arose. But there had to be a new law to allow for a new priest. Then in verse 17 of chapter 7, it says this, For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 18, For on one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. We're going to talk about this more further next week. But the point is this, in the law, the priests weren't perfect. We can read about lots of priests who did things wrong. If you look at the book of 2 Kings at the very beginning, one of the priests actually betrays David. And David has to lock him up. If you look at the book of Hosea, there are many times where God says the priest is a liar. Many times you look at the priesthood, it's not perfect. And one of the reasons this has so much problems is because the priests keep on dying. You might have a good priest, but 40 years later, he ain't alive. But this priest that we have is alive forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And so we'll stop there. I know it raises a lot of questions, maybe more questions than it does answers, but it is a good place to start. And that's why you can meditate even on difficult sections like this. You know what? Sometimes God leaves us a little bit in suspense. He don't always give us all the answers. And so what I want you to do for next week as we continue our meditation, and I'm not asking you to spend an hour on this, but if you can, just skim over chapter 7 and chapter 8 of Hebrews, and let's discuss it again next week. Amen? Good evening, everybody. All right, I'm just going to... I want to just pray on one thing tonight, um, and I guess also admonish in a way. Um, what I want to pray about is, if you follow the news at all, um, you would see that New York passed a law where you can abort children up to full term. Let that sink in for a minute. So you can, all the way up to birth, you can abort that baby. You can kill that baby. And that really makes me sad. There's probably, I think I did a quick rough count, there's probably 16 adults in here and 12 children. So there's almost as many children in here as adults. And if you know anything about New York, they have a high abor abortion rate. They kill a lot of babies. And so what I want to admonish is as people, I think it's important to note that you should really take a look at the people you vote for and support. That if you support a person or a party that supports this killing babies, 
which we know is clearly against God's word, that's something that should, should really, you should really take time to think about and pray about and, think, and ask God, is this something that pleases him? Because this really, these people were voted into office by other people. And that really, that really makes me struggle when I see people who call themselves Christians and they support people that do this. Because you're supporting ungodliness. So what I want to pray about is I just want to pray for our country. I mean, we are, this, this doesn't surprise us. You know, our country is going to the end times. It's just how this world is going, you know. I was talking to my brother-in-law today, you know, um, and I had mentioned, he had posted this thing, and I had mentioned, like, I was like, you know, we're doing this, and, like, New York, over 50% of the black children are aborted in New York. And he, and he said, he said, yeah, but, you know, that's racist when you say that. Because Milwaukee politicians, when a white politician brought that up, he was accused of being a racist by another politician because he said that. And, you know, and, he, and that's what I said. It's like, it's, and it's exactly like, I, uh, I think it's Isaiah 520 says, they call good evil and evil good. That's where we're going. And that's what it's going to be like in these end times. And I think it is, it is coming quicker than we think because our society is moving that way and Satan's having his way. So really just pray for our world. Pray for those people who aren't saved as this end time comes that, you know, God does his work through us for those people. And just pray for just those babies. Because, like I said, it really, it really made, it really put a damper on my day-to-day when I found that out. Because it's super sad when you think about this. So, we'll have, like, two people pray, and then I will close this up. Where we just lift up um, our world and our country and right, states and cities, Lord, we just lift up just the sinfulness of it all, and you know, you've spoken to us of how the end times are coming, and how the rule of this world will bring this world towards more and more wickedness, and more and more um, just affront to your word, and affront to you, Lord, and we just lift us, lift up the society, we ask for forgiveness, Lord, and we just ask that you just bring your judgment on these people and um, what our society is doing and the evil that it's just doing. And um, we ask that you just work through your church, work for your, through your people. Help us minister to these people. Let them know that it's wrong. Let them know that this isn't the way. Um, open the eyes of um, your saints and let them know that supporting these people that support such a wretched thing as abortion is not godly. And it's not a good thing. And it shouldn't be something we should... Um, just tolerate, but something we should speak out against. We should speak out against any acts that we see that is against your word. And we just ask that you just strengthen the ministry of this church as we are trying to reach out to men and their families, that um, we can reach them and let them know that this is part of godliness and this is something that shouldn't be done. We say men and families. Families, children is part of that. And we just ask that you continue to strengthen us and strengthen our resolve and strengthen our ministry strengthen your people worldwide and to just continue to oppose this. And we just are saddened to see um, the things that our world wants to do. In the name we pray. Amen. All right, let's take some prayer requests.